Welcome to Sermons in the Park, a ministry exploring biblical truth from the Word of God, focusing on the truths that help us in our daily walk with Christ in every aspect of our lives. Now, here is your Reverend, Jamie McCaskill. Hello, brothers and sisters, and welcome back to an all-new Sermons in the Park. As always, I am your Reverend Jamie McCaskill, and I know you're, you're wondering why I'm not on camera for this one, but reason is is i'm not feeling all the best and i just don't want to stand up because it makes me a little bit dizzy and i don't want to fall over or something while i'm on camera <clears throat> so if you're new i want to first off say welcome welcome to sermons in the park um what we generally do here guys is um if you're new we we do a book by book chapter by chapter verse by verse breakdown and sometimes we even go word by word because over time, words lose their meaning, or they change their meaning, or or whatever. And, and, you know, here on Sermons in the Park, you learn that. I teach that. I teach you what those words might have meant in the past that they don't mean now. Um, so, yeah, we're, we do these chapter-by-chapter, verse-by-verse breakdowns. But before we get started, I want to bow our heads and thank our Heavenly Father for all the great and wonderful things He's done for us. All the gifts of healing and... and uh, He's done so much for us, guys, that we don't give him. We, we we do not give God enough credit. Too many of us go through our day thinking, you know, I did that, and I pity people who who think they did it all on their own. You know, because it, it, they 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 can't give credit to the one who gave them who gave them the life that they have to even be able to do it. The breath, the energy, that all comes from God. And so, Heavenly Father, we thank you once again for everything that you do the fact that we woke up the fact that we drew breath the fact that we have eyes to even open in the mornings the breath that we drew in that comes from you the the smell of the the smell of the morning dew the sound of rain on our roof it's all because you give it to us and we thank you father we thank you for our pets our children our families our you know our, our beautiful wives and husbands it's because of you that we have those. You're the one who even gives us a mother. And, we, and, we, and we're not thankful enough. We could never be thankful enough. So we thank you now today. We thank you in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. So, if you've been following along this week, we're up to chapter 29. So if this is your first video, I invite you now to pause here. Go back to the beginning of the, the videos on Genesis <laughs> or if you don't watch on YouTube or BitChute or Rumble, if you listen on the podcast, go back. Because I know the podcast doesn't go back all the way to the beginning, but you can go back to even you know where that started and just get caught up. So uh, last week we read about how Jacob had built an altar. He built it there at Bethel. And, and he promised that if everything went as God promised, he would give a tithe, right? Well... Here at the start of chapter 20, we see, or I should say 29, I'm sorry. We see him conveniently meet shepherds who knew both Laban as well as, you know, uh, uh, Jacob's mother, you know, Rachel, right? This right here reflects that this is the hand of God, right? Directing him in his life. Just as God promised that he would. So, 
Let us go ahead and read Genesis chapter 29. We're going to read the entire chapter, verse 1, all the way to the end, which is verse 35. We see, Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were these flocks of sheep lying by it. For out of, the, out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, and watered the sheep, <coughs> sorry, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in his place. And Jacob said unto them, My brethren, whence be ye? And they said, Of Haran are we. And he said unto them, Know ye Laban the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. And he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time that the cattle should be gathered together, water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. And they said, We cannot, until all the flocks be gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, then we water the sheep. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, then Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother and that he was Rebekah's son. And she ran and told her father. And it came to pass when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. And he told Laban all these things. And Laban said unto him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thy wages be? And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. Now you can say Leah or Leah. I've heard both ways. Anyway, Leah was tender-eyed, but Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. And Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel thy younger daughter. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days for the love he had for her. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife. For my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. Excuse me, I'm a cough. <coughs> and Laban gathered together all the men of the place, and made a feast. And it came to pass in the evening, that he took Leah his daughter, and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah Zilpha, his maid for a handmaid. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, what is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Wherefore thou hast thou beguiled me? And Laban said, 
It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. Fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. And Jacob did so, and fulfilled her week. He gave him Rachel his daughter to wife also. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter, Bilhah his handmaid, to be her maid. And he went in also into Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called his name Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Now this time will my husband be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah, and left bearing. Alright, now what we usually do, guys, right, as we go back, we take that first verse that we read, and we read it again, and we start there, and we break down the whole chapter. So what's the first verse say? <coughs> Sorry. Then Jacob went on his journey and came into the land of the people of the east. Then Jacob went on his journey, right? So after Jacob made that vow that we read about last week, and you know he he had advance notice that hey, whatever he desired would be granted to him. So we read that he lifted up his feet, as we say in the south, <laughs> and he, he went on his journey with joy in his heart. Right? He he knew he had the promise of God that he was with him, and that you know God would take care of him, giving him you know everything he needed. And he would return him back to the land of Canaan. So, of course, all of this, it, it made him happy, right? And if you look at the Jewish writings, you'll see that they say that he lifted up his legs and walked swiftly and eagerly. The verse says, and came into the land of the people of the east. Now, this would, of course, be Mesopotamia. Or, you know, if you don't want to go that route, maybe it could have been Syria. Because why? They're both east of Canaan, right? Now, <coughs> while we're talking about that, let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 11. We read, Therefore the Lord shall set up the adversaries of resin against him and join his enemies together. This this would have been a journey of, of course, several days. Now, in the next couple of verses, we read about this uh, great stone. 
in, in this great stone it says covered a whale. This was probably done because, you know, hey, that well, it stored water, right? And that's precious there. The stone over it would have kept out the sun, so it wouldn't evaporate, rapidly anyway. And not to mention, you know, over there, there's also sand that would blow down, and it would get in there. And people, they were using it, they were also probably were using it up too fast, making it easier for them to regulate it. So... Let's go and look at verse 2 now. And he looked, and behold, a well in the field, and lo, there were three flocks of sheep laying by it. For out of that well they watered the flocks, and a great stone was upon the well's mouth. It says, And he looked, and behold, a well in the field. <coughs> now this well was somewhere near Haran, right? And by these words, it gives me the idea that, you know, he was looking for it. He must have been looking for the well. Because, as we've spoken of before, you know, people would gather around wells back then. They would, they would come out, they would collect the water for their families, and of course the shepherds, they would come out there and they would water their flocks. And this would make it easy for him to, you know, get information about Laban and his family. Kind of like, you know, if you go down south... Uh, in, or, or, I don't know, maybe in any small town, you'll see people visiting what, what they call the general store. Now, coming from a small town myself, you know, um, before the internet was a big thing, I can tell you that, you know, we did this. We did this all the time. It, it's also possible, right, that he was keeping his eyes peeled for this specific well. Maybe, maybe he knew... That this is where, you know, his grandfather's servants had met Rebecca. Okay? Uh, I'm sure, you know, that, that he heard that story <laughs> over and over again. I, I'm sure that his mother even told him, you know, what to look for to help him find it easier. You know, we can read more about that uh, back in Genesis chapter 24, verse 11, if you want to. And he, came, and he made his camels to kneel down without the city by a well of water at the time of evening, even the time that women go out to draw water. Now, I did find a story, okay, by a, another traveler <laughs> who said that in Haran, which he actually called Orpha, which is the same city, that there was a fountain that the Jews, the Armenians, the Turks, all of them, they called it Jacob's Well. And it was there that, you know, uh, they believed that he served Laban there. So, anyway, near Alexandret, this, this traveler said, is a fine well that's called Jacob's Well, and that its water was excellent. He said that this well is not far from where the Greeks say that the remains of Laban's house was. Isn't that cool? Anyway, the verse says, And lo, there were three flocks of sheep laying by. So, these sheep were either just laying around, you know, waiting to get the water, 
so when they would open up the well. Um, then the verse says, For out of that well they watered the flocks. This is, of course, talking about the shepherds, right? The verse says, And a great stone was upon the well's mouth. Now this stone on the well, it, it, it had to be rolled away so that these shepherds could water their flocks. That's why, like we just discussed a little while ago, the sheep are laying there. They're just laying around. Like I said, the stone was there to keep the water from you know, evaporating or being wasted. A way of making sure that there's enough to go around. <clears throat> like I also said, it also kept the water from you know, pure and clean, keeping it safe for uh, human consumption. So let's look at verse 3. And thither were all the flocks gathered, and they rolled the stone from the well's mouth, watered the sheep, and put the stone again upon the well's mouth in its place. Okay, um, read that again. And thither were all the flocks gathered. So, these are the flocks that we just mentioned. They're, they they remind they're, we're reminded of this here, so that you know they're of course all gathered there, right? And then we read. And they rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the sheep. <laughs> so this tells us that they would roll that stone away when they, when they were ready to water the sheep. And we know that they had not done this, right? Why do we know this? Because, well, they're just laying around, aren't they? And then the verse says, And put a stone upon the well's mouth in this place. This seems to be something that they did every time they watered the sheep. Like I told you earlier, in places like this where it's dry, it's barren, people would gather at wells. You know, wells, that they're a valuable commodity. I, we've said this over and over here as we've been going along. And sheep, just like everything else, will die without water. So we know that they would, they would have been very careful to put that stone back so that they could keep that water clean right they, they want to make sure that the water's clean <clears throat> verse 4 and Jacob said unto them my brethren which be thee and they said of Haran are we and Jacob said unto them he's speaking to those shepherds I mean sure they're not mentioned as being the shepherds but it is obvious that that is who he's speaking to right I mean who else could it be? <laughs> the sheep? <laughs> right? No, of course not. So it has to be the ones keeping the, sh the sheep, the shepherds. And he says to them, my brethren, whence be thee? He's being friendly with them, isn't he? He calls the, he's calls these strangers, that his, they call, he calls them his brethren. And we all are, aren't we? And, and also think of this. Jacob was also in the same occupation, wasn't he? See, one shepherd asking another one where they're from would, of course, lead into conversation. We need to remember that in evangelism. It's easier to start a conversation, you know, by being friendly, speaking like that. You know, ask, hey, where are you from? Are you from here? You know, things like that. It's Anyway, this is what Jacob wanted. He wanted to have conversation with them. He wanted to learn from them. And then we read what? It says, And then and they said unto him, Haran, are we? This is what he wanted to hear. 
He was headed to Haran, wasn't he? That's where his parents told him to go, to Haran, to his uncle Laban's house. Continuing on, we're on verse 5, And he said unto them, Know ye Laban, the son of Nahor? And they said, We know him! Right? He asked them. He asked them right off the bat, Hey, do you know Laban, the son of Nahor? Genealogically speaking, when you use the word son, that just means a male descendant. So, just look at this verse here. It said, You see, Laban was actually the grandson of Nahor, wasn't he? Take a look with me at Genesis chapter 22. We're going to look at verses 20, 21, 22, 23. <clears throat> and it came to pass after these things that it was told Abraham, saying, Behold, Milcah... She hath also borne children unto thy brother Nahor, Huz his firstborn, Buzz his brother, Kemuel the father of Aram, and Chesed, and Hazo, and Pildash, and Jidlaf, and Bethuel, and Bethuel begat Rebekah. These eight Milcah did bear to Nahor, Abraham's brother. Jacob, he knows, he found where he was intending to go. The home of his mother's people. God had been with him. And we read on, you know, well, we see that at least the way I see it. <laughs> Jacob tries to get these men to to hurry up, right? To water their sheep and go away so he can be alone with Rachel. You'll see when we get there. Let's read along. Verse 6. And he said unto them, Is he well? And they said, He is well. And behold, Rachel, his daughter, cometh with the sheep. Now, look at this. It says, And he said unto them, Is he well? He asks, Is he in good health? You know, meaning him and his family. I saw where some say that this means is peace unto him. Is he enjoying prosperity? Is he enjoying happiness? Because you see, the word used here was used in the Eastern nations, and still is, for all kinds of of contentedness. Okay? Couldn't think of a better word there. <laughs> the verse says, And they said, He is well. Again, he has peace. He and his family are good. They're in good health. They're enjoying all the comforts and the blessings of life. The verse then says, And behold, Rachel his daughter cometh with the sheep. This tells us that at that very moment, she was headed towards them with her father's sheep. She was headed to that well to water them. Again, this shows us Rachel's humility, her, her diligence, her simplicity. Is this not the perfect time for Jacob to have arrived there? Think about this. His first glimpse of Rachel was her herding her family's sheep. On to verse 7. Or verse 8. Yeah, verse 7. Sorry. Um, uh, and he said, Lo, it is yet high day, neither is it time for the cattle should be gathered together. Water ye the sheep, and go and feed them. 
You see that? It says, and he said, lo, it is yet high day. So that means noon. So it's noon. The sun is at its highest around this time, especially in hot countries like that. The flocks, they used to be made to lie down in shady places and by still waters. We see an illusion of that in that famous psalm, don't we? Psalm chapter 23, verse 2. Let's take a look at it again, just for posterity here. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me by the still waters. Right? That famous psalm. Most, you know, even people who don't know the Bible know that one. This could mean, also, right, that the sun was still up very high, and that there was a great, there was a lot of day left, because we see where it says, "Yet the day is great," or much, meaning that. There was a lot of time before nighttime. The verse then says, Neither is it time for the cattle should be gathered together, meaning off of the pastures. You know, brought home, put in fields and all that. Because that was usually done in the evening time. Okay? The verse then says, Water ye the sheep and go and feed them. He tells them, Give the sheep water out of the well to drink. And then lead them out into the pastures. Let them feed until nighttime. Now, reading this, I know it seems like he did, okay? But you see, he does not say this in an authoritative way. He doesn't. He's also not surly. He's not ill-natured, okay? He's not reproving them for their sloth slothfulness, okay? He's being kind. He's being gentle. Like I said, this is, a, this is one man in the same field offering advice. Remember, like I said, he was a shepherd. So he knew what was, you know, done. Okay? It appears that these shepherds, they, they, take, it, they take it the way he meant it. And they return a civil answer. Look at verse 8. You'll see. They said, We cannot until all the flocks are gathered together, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth, and we water the sheep. You see? The shepherds, they're answering him. And they're telling him, hey, we can't. Meaning that they could not water the sheep. Why? Jarkey said that that stone was probably too great. And that it was probably removed by the strength of a many, many shepherds. Working together. But still... We do see Jacob do it himself, don't we? But you see, this is imputed to his strength. But still, maybe this was just a custom that they had. An agreement that they made that they would never remove it. You know? <coughs> Look what it says. Until all the flocks be gathered together. You see, this makes me think that if they if they removed that well, that, that stone from that well, it would have violated some law or, or maybe a custom. The verse says, until they roll the stone from the well's mouth. That word there, they, 
This would be the shepherds of all the flocks together. Only then can they water their sheep, but not until then. I think that this was at a specific time of the, t of the day. That they would all come together, they would roll that stone away, and then they would all water their sheep at the same time. And we know that this was what? Noon. We see that she would come, come out and they would water their sheep. Watering time, if you will, must have been later in the day. Alright, now let's go to verse 9. And while he, while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she kept them. While he yet spake with them. Now, as you know, there were a few languages spoken there in the Middle East at that time. Just like there are today. The language of Haran would have been Aramaic. Of the uh, what they call the Chaldee dialect. This would have been known to Abraham and his sons as well because he was from Ur of the Chaldees. We have no idea how these patriarchs spoke with Canaanites or even Egyptians, right? We only assume that they were skilled in languages, knowing more than Hebrew and Aramaic, okay? Now, look at the next verse, and what you're going to see there is 97 years absence of Rebecca leaving her home ending. We see Laban welcome his nephew home. So, verse 10 now. And it came to pass when Jacob saw Rachel, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, Jacob went near and rolled the stone from the well's mouth and watered the flock of Laban, his mother's brother it repeats that a lot doesn't it and it came to pass when jacob saw rachel the daughter of laban his mother's brother she was headed that way she had her flock she was taking them to the well and i assume okay that looking at how the things play out here that this was the flock that the shepherds were waiting on and because look at the verse it says and the sheep of laban his mother's brother what he does, when, 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 when Jacob does this, he does it out of respect for him and his. Because he nearly, you know, he's nearly allied to him, right? So, what does he do? It says that Jacob went near, he rolled a stone from the well's mouth. Now, was this with the help of the other shepherds? I don't know. What was it with his own hands, his own strength? I don't know. We're never told, are we? But Jewish writers say that when he did this, it amazed the shepherds. He did it himself. And that it would have required some great strength. And they usually did, because, you know, they usually did it as a team. In fact, when you look at the Targum of Jonathan, it says that he did it with one arm. <laughs> Amen. Jarky, he says he did it as easily as if he were to remove the lid off of a pot. The verse then says, And watered the flocks of Laban, his mother's brother. Again, like I said, he's doing this out of respect for him. 
because they're related. Also, come on. Think about it, guys. He wanted to get Rachel's attention. Right? That's exactly why he did it. Verse 11. And Jacob kissed Rachel and lifted up his voice and wept. We start off with, and Jacob kissed Rachel. I want to make sure you understand that this right here was just a kiss out of courtesy. It was civility, okay? He would have first told her who he was, of course, that, hey, we're related, right? The verse says, and he lifted up his voice and he wept. He wept out of joy. God brought him right where he needed to be, right when he needed to be there. And here was someone that he was related to. And let's face it, the woman he wanted to make his wife, okay? She was also the one that God had chosen for him. He was the gentleman of the hour, wasn't he? He, he? he rolled that stone. He watered the sheep. He even got to kiss her. He was happy. And he was so happy that we see him weep. Verse 12. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her mother's... I'm sorry. That he was her father's brother and that he was Rachel's son. And she ran and told her father... And Jacob told Rachel, <coughs> I believe that this should have been translated more to he told, or had told. Because, you know, he told her before he kissed her. Before he lifted up his voice and wept. This is even observed by uh, Abinezer, believe it or not. And then the verse says that he was her father's brother. Jacob was her father's nephew, right? This is this happens a lot in scriptures. We we see it uh, often quoted as brethren. Okay, like Lot is called Abraham's brother in Genesis fourteen twelve. The verse says, and that he was Rebecca's son. Rebecca is her father's sister, her aunt, and I'm sure that she would know her name. I can guarantee it. Okay, the verse says. And she ran and told her father. She left, she, she left the flocks there with Jacob, didn't she? Just, just like how Rebecca did. She ran home and she told her family, you know, take a look. Go look at Genesis 24, And the damsel ran and told them of her mother's house these things. Daughters, they, they did this kind of stuff. But here Rachel tells her father, it's believed by the Jewish writers, that her mother had, had, had died long ago. Now again, let me clear the air that him saying that he was Laban's brother does not mean brother. Not like my brother Jason is my brother. <laughs> <coughs> or like my sons or brothers. No, this just means, <coughs> I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, this just means they're related. He was Laban's nephew. This is the only account that we read of contact between Rebecca and her family since she left to go marry Isaac. The excitement, excitement here would have just been awesome. Go to verse 13. 
And it came to pass, when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him, and embraced him, and kissed him, and brought him to his house, and, told, and he told Laban all these things. And it came to pass, when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, he heard the tidings of Jacob. He heard that there was a man at the well who's related to him. And of course, what he had done there, right? You know, him, him rolling away the stone and watering the flocks. Again, the Jewish writers make this report mostly about Jacob's great strength. The verse then says that, that he ran to meet him and embraced him and kissed him and brought him to his house. Now remember, last time we spoke of Laban, what did I tell you? I told you about how greedy he was. Well, when you look at Jarky and other interpreters, okay, they say that this was done out of greed. That he expected that, hey, Jacob was bringing presents with him. Things like gold and pearls and jewelry and, you know, other things like Abraham's servants had brought to give to him when, you know, he came to get Rebekah. But I do not see why this could not have been done to offer a hearty and sincere and affectionate greeting. This is a relative, okay? So, I think that this was done purely out of love, for lack of a better word. The verse says, And he told Laban all these things, meaning everything, about, you know, how his parents had sent him there because of Esau. Because, you know, he, he had received the birthright and the blessing. How how God had appeared to him at Luz. He certainly would have told him about the promise that God made, right? How how providentially he he had met with, with Rachel there at the well. And, and, and perhaps, if he did not say it before, he would have told him how he wanted Rachel, you know, as his wife. Think about it. They had a lot of catching up to do. And I'm sure that, that Laban was excited to hear from his sister. I bet, I bet he was anxious to meet her son. I really do. I think that personally that he showed his emotions. He ran out there to meet him. To hug him, to kiss him, to take him home with him. Right? Okay, let's go look at verse 14. And Laban said unto him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. Not a lot of talk here. Okay? But I want you to look at how long we see him you know, staying with him. Because it says that he stayed with him for a month. When you look at the traditions of that uh, of that time period, especially in that area, a stranger could live with you for three days. And on the fourth day, the stranger is supposed to give you his name. Uh, he's supposed to tell you why he's there. And after that, he could remain there if he worked for you in, in, a, in, a, in a way that you both agree to okay uh, that's all I really got to say on that, that verse so let's go to verse 15 
And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me, what shall thou, shall thou wage be? Okay? Um, we start off with, And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother. Again, this just means a relative. And we know that he means his nephew. It goes on, Shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? You know, since they're related, there was no reason he should expect him to serve for free. And since he was related, Laban should be nicer to him. He should treat him better than a stranger. He should give him a wage. And then the verse, what's the verse say? It says, tell me what shall thy wage be? You know, should he pay him by the day? Should he pay him by the month? Should he even pay him by the year? He shows that he's willing to give him anything that was just and reasonable, right? This is very well spoken. It, it, it was, you know, but this, that, that he gives Jacob a fair opportunity to open his mind more freely to him, to tell him, hey, why you came. The, then the verse says, it you know it reads the way that the verse reads it, it makes me think that that Jacob had been working there already that he had already been helping Laban and Laban realizes hey he can't work here forever and not get paid right so he asked Jacob what would you like as a wage okay Keeping that in mind, let's go to verse 16. And Laban had two daughters. The name of the elder was Leah, or Leah, or however you want to say it. And I'm sorry if, if I'm getting it wrong and someone's listening who knows the proper pronunciation. Anyway, and the name of the younger was Rachel. So we read about his two daughters here. We read about Leah and Rachel. If you know this story... At all, you already know that both of them married Jacob at Haran. And it is them and their handmaids, Bilhah and Zilpha, that become the mothers of the twelve tribes of Israel. Leah, she becomes the mother of Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Zebulon, and Dinah. And Rachel, she becomes the mother of Joseph and Benjamin. They were Jacob's favorite sons. Rachel also has the ancestral mother of Ephraim and Manasseh. We already know that Rachel was Jacob's favorite wife. I don't have to go into detail on that. You already know it. And sadly, sadly, she died while delivering Benjamin uh, when they get to Ramah which is, of course, near Bethlehem. We'll get into that uh, in great detail, trust me. Jacob, he lived most of his life with Leah. In fact, she's later buried with him at Machpelah in Hebron. We read about that uh, later on. Uh, well, let's go ahead and look at it. Genesis forty-nine thirty-one. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife, 
There they buried Isaac and Rebekah his wife, and there I buried Leah. Like I said, she was the mother of Judah. Uh, Judah is the fourth son of Jacob. That makes her the ancestral mother of, wait for it, the Davidic line. Ultimately, the ancestor of Christ. Take a look at these verses with me. We've got quite a few of them to look at here. Uh, Genesis 29, 9-18. Quite a few verses, I know. And while he yet spake with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep, and she kept them. And it came to pass, when Jacob saw Sarah, the daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and the sheep of Laban, his mother's brother, that Jacob went near, rolled the stone from the well's mouth, watered the flocks of Laban, his mother's brother. Jacob kissed Rebekah, lifted up his voice, and wept. And Jacob told Rachel that he was her father's brother, and that Rebekah, Rebekah's son, and she ran and told her father, and it came to pass, when Laban heard the tidings of Jacob, his sister's son, he ran to meet him, embraced him, kissed him, brought him to his house. He told Laban all these things. Laban said to him, Surely thou art my bone and my flesh. And he abode with him the space of a month. And Laban said unto Jacob, Because thou art my brother, Shouldst thou therefore serve me for naught? Tell me what shall thy wages be? Laban had two daughters, right? Leah in the name, the other was Rachel. Leah was tender-eyed. Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter, right? So as I said, pretty obvious, she's his favorite. So let's look at uh, verses 31 to 35. And when the Lord saw that Rachel was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren, and Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Because the Lord hath heard I was hated, he hath therefore given me this son also. And she called him Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son, and said, Now this time my husband will be joined unto me, because I have borne him three sons. Therefore his name was Levi. And she conceived again and bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore... She called his name Judah and left bearing. Now, let's go on to chapter 30. I know this one, you know, we'll be covering this one, of course, next week, but we're going to look at verses 22 to 24. And God remembered Rachel. And God hearkened to her and opened her womb. And she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, The Lord shall add to me another son. 
Now, while we're talking about that, let's go to Ruth chapter 4, verse 11. And all the people that were in the gate of the elder son said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman that is come into thine house like Rachel and like Leah, which two did build the house of Israel. And do thou worthy, worthily in Ephrath and be famous in Bethlehem. Now, you know how I like to point out names, so... Let's just look at them. I, I, I love to point out what names mean. You know, it's one of my fun things. I like looking into that. Anyway, Leah, or Leah, whichever way you say it, means weary. Rachel means you, you know, a female sheep. So, I thought that was pretty cool. Anyway, verse 17. Leah was tender-eyed. But Rachel was beautiful and well-favored. Now, I did a lot of research on this phrase, tender-eyed. And I read a lot. And out of everything that I read, I'm going to give you my best guess. I believe that it probably means that she, was, she had a pale color to her. She wasn't dark, okay? Or I should say her eyes were pale. Her eyes, they weren't dark. They, they, they were sparkling, you know? I should say they weren't sparkling. They were just kind of dull and pale. It, it, sadly, such paleness, unlike today in the Western world, was considered a blemish, okay? Now, for the majority of the rest of this chapter... We're going to see Jacob remain happy for the next seven years because because of his love, right? And working so that he could pr provide a dowry. Laban, he treats him like an adopted son. But you see, the deceiver, <laughs> Jacob, is about to be deceived. You see, because of local marriage customs, he lo his love for Rachel... The fact that Laban, he wanted a bigger dowry. All these things. They came together to give Jacob not only seven more years of labor under Laban, but two wives who would constantly be caught up in this jealous childbearing competition. Alright, let's look at verse 18. Jacob loved Rachel and said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy youngest daughter. So we open with an ob the obvious here, don't we? And Rachel loved, or <laughs> and Jacob loved Rachel. I've always believed that he loved her from that mo first moment that he saw her back at the well. She was beautiful. She was modest. She was humble. Probably friendly and good-natured, diligent, and of course industrious. The verse says, and he said, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. He said this showing he didn't want anything else, okay? All he wanted was for Rachel to be his wife. 
at the end of those seven years, right? He was going to work for seven years. He was willing to work for it. And besides, he didn't have any money for a dowry. That was the custom at the time. So he offered to be a servant. Now, if you believe Schmidt, okay, he did not have, you know, he thinks, Schmidt, he thinks that this was contrary to the custom. He believed that Laban was treating his daughters like bondmaids, like like women that he took captive and is selling them. And they complained about it. We see that in uh, Genesis chapter 31, 15. And we can, and we not count, are we not counted of him strangers, for he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. Anyway, Jacob, he found what he was looking for, a beautiful girl. She won his heart, and we know, of course, that he says seven years and seven, if for you numerology guys out there. Is a seven always means spiritually complete? Um, going on to verse 19. And Laban said, It is better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. Right? Look at that opening there. It says, And Laban said, When you look at the Targum of Jonathan, the Jewish writers. Literally add this. They say deceitfully. So it would be, and Laban deceitfully said. They say that he's pretending to be speaking with respect for Jacob. And also to pretend that what he proposed was agreeable to him. When he was actually going to, you know, impose upon him. He says, it's better that I should give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. He He's not only saying this, you know, saying that he preferred you know, Jacob, a relative, to some other man, a stranger, but he's not insisting upon the servitude, is he? But that he would give her to him. Unless, okay, he's saying that he agrees to the terms. But it does not f seem that way by what we see next, he says, abide with me. He's speaking of the term of seven years and the service, suggesting he agreed that Rachel should be his wife. And because of this, Jacob, a plain-hearted man, understood him. But we need to remember this. This was not Laban's design. He struck this deal with Jacob, because he did not want him to leave. He said that he would prefer for Jacob to marry, or for, yeah, for Rachel to marry Jacob over some stranger. Remember, at this time and place, it was custom for the father to choose the groom for the bride. It was also a custom that the groom would pay the father. That was, that was custom at the time. All right, verse 20. 
And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed unto him but a few days, get this, for the love he had to her. Isn't that beautiful? It starts off with, Jacob served seven years for Rachel. So Jacob did what he said he was going to do. He served the entire seven years. Diligently. Faithfully. Patiently. We see this referenced when we look at Hosea chapter 11 verse 12. A frame compasseth me about with lies, and the house of Israel with deceit. But Judah yet ruleth with God, and is faithful with the saints. Then we see, right, and they seemed unto him but a few days, for the love he had to her. If you've ever been in love, you know exactly what this verse is saying. Because to someone who is in love, time flies by. You're enjoying that time you're spending with the person you love. So time just flies by. This verse is saying that Jacob did not care how long it took. He endured it. To him, seven years just flew right by. It was nothing compared to the time that he would get with the woman that he loved. And not to mention, guys... He's living on the farm with her. He sees her every day. He gets to speak to her every day. And that, that, I imagine that just helped that time just go by. This shows that the love that he had for her was pure and constant. Verse 21. And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife, for my days are fulfilled, that I may go in unto her. Jacob, he demands his wife. The verse says, And Jacob said unto Laban, Give me my wife. So Jacob demands it. He demands that Rachel be given to him because, hey, I have fulfilled my contract. He says, For my days are now fulfilled. This means the seven years that he agreed to, the seven years he agreed to serve for Rachel, it was his right that she should be given to him. And the verse says, that I may go in unto her. This means that as his lawful right, okay, he could rightfully do. Now, according to the Jewish writers, Jacob would have been about 84 years old. Remember, he was supposed to be the father of 12 princes, the head of the twelve tribes that would inhabit the land of Canaan. Jacob, he loved Rachel. He did what he was supposed to do. He fulfilled his agreement with Laban, and he wanted his wife, the one he served seven years for. That is a long time to wait for someone you love, isn't it? All right. Go to verse 22. And Laban gathered together all the men of the place and made a feast. Sorry, that was my phone, guys. I was trying to see who that was. 
And uh, it says, And Laban gathered together all the men of the place, meaning all the men of the city, the city of Haran. But this most likely would have been just the, the, chief, <coughs> the chief people, the principals. This was normal. It was a way of making a marriage public, you know, making a spectacle out of it, making it authentic, if you will. The verse then says, and made a feast. The Septuagint literally makes it say a marriage feast. I want you to take a look with me. Matthew chapter 22, verse 2. The kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which made a marriage for his son. This was very normal. Like I said, you would do this as a way of just showing your joy. Think about it. Still today, people will throw parties for a wedding, don't they? There are some that go all crazy with it, right? So... That's essentially what this was. It just was them throwing a party. So, anyway, let, let's go on to verse 23 here. And it came to pass in the evening he took Leah his daughter and brought her to him. And he went in unto her. <coughs> this may seem odd to you and me today. But... This deception was easy for Laban to do. Because back then, the brides were veiled. And Jacob would not have taken Leah, who he thought was Rachel, home until night. Right? The verse says that Jacob went, un went in unto her. This is some wording here that just means that, guys, they consummated the marriage. So we see Jacob, <laughs> whose name means trickster, being tricked. What you reap is what you sow. His bride here was not Rachel. It was Leah. And of course, Jacob, he wasn't aware of it, was he? Let's move on. Verse 24 now. And Laban... And Laban... And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his maid, for a handmaid. Alright. So I don't have a lot to say about this one, but... It says, And Laban gave unto his daughter Leah, Zilpah, his handmaid for a... Or his maid for a handmaid, Right? At that time, it was very common. Remember, we saw Rebekah given many maids back in Genesis chapter 24, verse 59. But Leah is only given one. When you look at the Targum of Jonathan, it says, And Laban gave her Zilpah, his daughter, whom his concubine bore to him. Because you see, the Jewish people, they called the daughters that were born from concubines maids. Did you know that? Neither did I until I started researching. Anyway, so we read that the servant girl Zilpah here was given to Leah 
as a wedding gift. So let's continue on, verse 25. And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. And he said to Laban, What is this thou hast done unto me? Did not I serve with thee for Rachel? Therefore then hast thou beguiled me. Verse 25 says that, right? It says, And it came to pass that in the morning, behold, it was Leah. So in the morning, right? They're laying there sleeping. They're in the bed. Sun comes up. Creeps into his tent, right? Wakes him up. He looks over and he sees that it's Leah in his bed. Her veil is off. He could see her tender eyes. He knew he had been betrayed. Now you might ask this. You might go, but what about her voice, right? My guess is, I, I have several guesses here, but maybe their voices were similar. But also, who's to say that they even spoke at all? All he knew was that she wasn't found out, you know, all we know, I should say, is that he didn't see who it was until in the morning. But guys, we cannot excuse her for the sin that we see here, can we? We have adultery. We have incest. I mean, yeah, there are a lot of things we can say in her favor. And I'm not, I'm not saying we can't. She was an obedient girl to her father. She was the eldest daughter. It was kind of a rule back then that the eldest daughter had to be married first. She's also the mother of the promised seed that, that God had promised to Abraham. It was also through Jacob, right? The verse goes on to say, And he said unto Laban, So, he woke up in the morning, you know, he sees her there. He went out to make sure that he would meet Laban, and he wanted to do it early, I'm sure. And we see him ask, what is this that thou hast done unto me? Asking why he did this, why he tricked him. He did just discover that I, there, there's this woman in his bed that, as far as he's concerned, is not his wife. In the bed where his wife is supposed to be. Or maybe he asks him, Why hast thou done this to me? Because I'm sure he wanted to know, right? Maybe he asked what he done to cause it. To make him do this to him. Because, think about it. Jacob knew what was done. Just not the reason. This was a sin against God. An injury into him. He asks, did I not serve thee for Rachel? Jacob had served this man for seven years. That was the agreement they made. He's asking him, was this not the covenant that I made with you that I would marry Rachel at the end of these seven years? So Jacob asks him, wherefore then hast thou beguiled me? He's talking about how he was given Leah instead of Rachel. You see, there's no way that any of us can justify what Laban did here. I mean, we can see that this is a retaliation on Jacob. Because remember, Jacob had beguiled his father. He pretended to be Esau. 
And here, here we see his own father-in-law deceiving him, giving him Leah, whose eyes are described as tender. Could they have been dim? Could they have been dull, filmy? Was she cross-eyed? We'll never know this. Either way, <laughs> this is not Rachel. This is not the woman he's in love with. This is not the one that he considered beautiful. See, Leah had been wearing a veil. Then she went into the dark tent. There also would have been a lot of drinking at the wedding. So it's very possible that they just, they were drunk. Neither of them knew what was going on. It's very easy for Laban, Laban to just give him the wrong daughter. Okay, Jacob rightfully felt that he was done wrong. Verse 26, And Laban said, It must not be so done in our country to give the younger before the firstborn. And Laban said, It must not be done so, or so done in our country, our country, our place, our city. Either way, this is just saying that it was not customary for them to marry the younger before the firstborn. Notice, though, he does not deny the fact that he tricked him. He also does not deny that he agreed on Rachel. He just pleads on the custom and, the, 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 and that that was contrary to what they agreed on. To give the younger, meaning in marriage, then he says, before the firstborn. I'm going to be honest here. This is just my opinion. I do not think he did this because of the custom. Because if he did, why didn't he just tell him when he asked for Rachel? Let's think about it. Also, why did he enter into the contract if it was contrary to the custom? Then you have to think about this. He called the man of the city to make a feast. For the marriage of his younger daughter. If the custom was truly the reason. This man had some nerve. Pay attention as we move on from verses 27 to 30. Because I never noticed this until I was doing this research. It sounds like Laban agrees to give Rachel to Jacob. After the week of the wedding celebration. For being married to Leah. Before he does the seven years of labor. And, and the reason I mention this is because growing up I heard a lot of preachers tell the story. And they always make it sound like Rachel was given to him after another seven years. Um, just, just just pay attention as we read on. And if, if you're watching this on YouTube or wherever, just let me know what you think. Okay? Verse 27, fulfill her week, and we will give thee this also for the service which thou shalt serve with me yet seven other years. Do you see? 
It says, fulfill her week and we will give thee this also. <laughs> it's saying that Jacob had to complete the week of celebration for the wedding, right, to Leah. We talked about this with Samson. But I want you to look at it again with me. Judges chapter 14, verse 12. And Samson said unto them, I will now put forth a riddle unto you, if you can certainly declare it me within the seven days of the feast, and find it out, then I will give you thirty sheets and thirty changes of garments. And then go to verse, uh, skip down a little bit to 17. And she wept before him the seven days while their feast lasted, and it came to pass on the seventh day that he told her, because she lay sore upon him, and she told the riddle to the children of her people. Right? So, seven days. So, after this week, then he could marry Rachel. And would have to serve yet another seven years. That's the way I'm reading it. So, after the week, he would get to marry Rachel. And then he had to serve seven more years. Personally, I find it sad he didn't go off and pray about this. He didn't ask God, hey God, what should I do? He's treated just like he treated Esau and his father. This time, Jacob, the deceiver, is being deceived. Right? Verse 28. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife. You see that? Look what he promises him. Rachel, his daughter, to wife. Sharing common ancestors like this was not part of God's will. In fact, the Mosaic Code forbids it. Take a look. Leviticus 18.18. 18. Neither shalt thou take a wife to the, her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness, beside the other in her lifetime. That's what it says. Also, if you want to see the grief that can be caused by this thing that's going around so rampantly now, polygamy, all you have to do is look at the life of Jacob. The way that this all works out. Anyway, this this week mentioned here, this wedding week was another custom. The groom would take his wife away for seven days, and then they would come home. They would return. It was called a honeymoon. Well, we call it a honeymoon. There are many who see symbolism here. They believe that the seven days represent the seven years that the Christians will spend in heaven before he he comes back to earth to you know reign for the 100 well, for the 1000 years anyway we see Jacob he has two wives he had to work seven more years but this time Rachel would be beside him as his wife so he gets his wife that he wants but he's got to serve seven more years now let's go look at verse 29 
Wait, did I look at the wrong verse? I think I meant 28, sorry. Yep, 29, sorry. And Jacob did so and fulfilled her week, and he gave him Rachel, his daughter, to wife also. Right? And Laban gave to Rachel, his daughter. Did I, am I looking at the wrong thing? I did, I read that wrong. Sorry, guys. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah his handmaid to be her maid. And we just discussed this a little bit ago. And Laban gave to Rachel his daughter Bilhah his handmaid to be her maid. Look how he gave a handmaid to Leah. He gave Rachel one, didn't he? And he gave one to Leah. The Targum of Jonathan says that this was another daughter of Laban by a concubine. Just like the first one. Their family was one of um, affluence. We see the father, he gives both daughters a handmaid as a wedding gift. Okay, so on to verse 30. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. He loved also Rachel more than Leah. Let's remember, his parents made the same mistake. His parents, they played favorites. And it's this right here that put Jacob in the position that he now found himself in. So let's look. Look at what we have so far. Here, here Jacob is with two wives, which is bigamy, right? This was also practiced by the descendants of Cain. But Jacob is also married to two sisters, which as we discussed, later becomes forbidden by the law of Moses. But he also reaps the many years of agony. Rachel was the wife that he chose at the beginning. Leah was his wife. Not by choice. Yes, it was circumstances that were beyond his control. But he still was her husband in every way. And look at what happens. Just just look at the next verse. Let's, let's go on, guys. Verse 31. And when the Lord saw that Rachel was hated, he opened her womb. But Rachel was barren. So, because of what Jacob did, we see that God steps in. It says Leah was hated. Rachel was barren. What a contrast. Right? The beloved wife is barren. She has no kids. And the one that he rejects, she does. When Jacob demoted Leah, God stepped in. Later, we see Leah praying about Jacob's rejection. She was troubled because of it. And we see that. We see that. And what she names her four sons, we'll get into their names here in a little bit. But let's look at verse 32. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. 
For she said, Surely the Lord hath looked upon my affliction. Now therefore my husband will love me. And Leah conceived and bare a son, and she called his name Reuben. Look at the name Reuben. Do you know what Reuben means? It means see the sun. Doesn't it doesn't that make it seem like she's crying out to her you know to her husband and her friends to to look at my son like she's hoping and imagining that he might be the famous son the promised seed if you will the messiah that's going to spring from the line of Abraham and Jacob but of course if she honestly thought about that if she honestly thought that I should say she was mistaken because sadly this son here he's he's unstable he he did not excel so maybe she meant it like god has provided a son that's what uh hilarious believed and that seems to better fit it considering what we see next for she said surely the lord hath looked on my affliction she'd been deceived by her father. Her husband didn't love her. Well, at least not as much as he did her sister. And she probably felt slighted by her, right? She says, now therefore my husband will love me more than he had so far. Or or maybe as equally as he does her. Now, now that she bore a son, this honestly makes me think that poor Leah, she loved Jacob just as much as Rachel did. And after giving birth to this son, she was hoping, praying that that it would bring her and her husband closer together. God, God took pity on Leah. He blessed her with a child. If you've been following me for a while, you know that to women at that time, okay, if you did not have a child, you it was believed you were cursed. And the name Reuben means behold a son. Verse 33. She conceived again and bare a son and said, Behold, the Lord hath heard I was hated. And he hath therefore given me this son. And she called his name Simeon. Simeon. And she conceived again and bare a son. This makes it sound like she got pregnant <laughs> right after the other son. Or I should say as soon as she was able to. The verse then says, And said, Because the Lord hath heard that I was hated. I think it would have been better if it would have said loved less than my sister, right? It says, He hath therefore given me this son also. God gave her another son. He was trying to comfort her during all of this. As well as he was trying to get her husband to love her a little bit more. The verse then says, And she called his name Simeon. Simeon means 
hearing. This was her way of saying why she she was given him. Because God had heard her. Right? Verse 34. What do we have there? And she conceived again and bare a son. And said, now, this time will my husband be joined to me. Because I have borne him three sons. Therefore was his name called Levi. And so it says, and she conceived again and bare a son. So for the third time, Leah bears another son. And again, it seems like she must have become pregnant immediately after. The verse says, and said, now this time will my husband be joined to me. Meaning he would have greater affection towards her. And they, they would have a stronger love. That he would cleave to her more. The verse then says, because I have borne him three sons. You see, we all have this whole thing about threes. Threefold, three this, three this. She considered this to be a threefold cord. This has bound their affections. And that could not be broken very easily, could it? The verse then says, And therefore was his name called Levi. Levi is a name... We don't think about names much anymore. We just think of how it sounds and how pretty. But Levi means joined. This is the son that the Levites come from. That's where they get their name from. We can see that Leah, she thought, that if her and Jacob had children, it would cause him to love her more. More than her sister Rachel. Think about it. Jacob had to be ful <laughs> fulfilling <clears throat> all of his uh, husbandly duties. Because how else did she keep getting pregnant? So it's obvious. He didn't hate her, okay? He just didn't love her as much as he did Rachel. Just look at the last two children's name. Simeon is hearing and Levi is joining. So here we are at the last verse of the chapter. The last verse for today. And we see, And she conceived again and bare a son. And she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah and left bearing. Okay, last we see, and she conceived again and bare a son. Whew! Son number four. A son whose name and tribe uh, we uh, the, that the Messiah comes from. The verse says, and she said, now will I praise the Lord. She had, she had been doing, she had been doing that already, hadn't she? She praised him for looking on her during her affliction for hearing her cries, for giving her one son after the other. But now, now we see her praise him more than before. Because she had a fresh instance of goodness towards her. When you look at the Targum of Jonathan, we actually see a reason. It says, because from this my son shall come forth kings... 
and from him shall come forth David the king, who shall praise the Lord. But I want to ask you this. Why isn't it possible that she would know that the Messiah would come from him? It would heighten her joy, her praise, right? The verse goes on to say, And therefore she called his name Judah. Judah means praise. We see more made of that name when we look at Genesis Chapter 49, verse 8. Judah, thou art he whom the brethren shall praise. Thy hand shall be in the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. When we look at some of the Jewish writers... We see that the birthdays of these four men, you know, Reuben, we actually see their birthdays. I'm going to tell them to you. You ready? Reuben, he was born on the 14th day of Chislu. Well, you don't know Chislu? Oh, I'll tell you. That's the 14th day of November. We see that he lived to be 124 years old. Then we have Simeon. Simeon was born on the 21st day of Tibeth. That's December. He lived 120 years. Then we have Levi. Levi was born on the 16th day of Nisan. Nisan is March. He lived 137 years. And then we have Judah. Judah was born on the 15th day of Sivan, which is May. He lived 119 years. We also know these names came from the Hebrew language, right? They came from words in the Hebrew language, which shows that Laban's family spoke it. It had to have spoken Nahor, just like it had been in Isaac's family from Abraham. The verse says, and left bearing, meaning that she continued bearing children for a while. Because we know that after this son, she gets she, she has two more and a daughter. We're going to take a look at Genesis chapter 30, verse 17. And God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob, the fifth son. Right? These four sons that we read about here, these are the founding fathers uh, of the of four of the twelve founding fathers of the twelve tribes of Israel. Like we said earlier, Judah. Judah means God be praised. In Hebrew, Judah is pronounced Yehuda. Now, when we get later on in Genesis, we'll be reading about these sons, these, these particular sons here, turning against the children of Rachel. I'm only saying this now just to kind of, you know, 
remember it. Just remember this as we move on. Because these right here are the beginnings of the 12 tribes of Israel. These are the beginning of the 12 tribes' names. So thank you all for joining me here. I know this has been kind of a long one. Um, I, uh, and I'm sorry, like I said, about the fact that it's audio over a picture again. But I just, I, I can't stand up, guys. Like it, it, it just, it, I, I would have probably gotten dizzy and I probably would have slurred a lot more than I did doing this. And all the coughing and hacking and sneezing and running nose and all that. So thank you all for joining me here. I pray the Lord continues to bless and keep you. And I'll see you all here next week for an all new Sermons in the Park. Thank you and God bless. You have been listening to Sermons in the Park with Reverend Jamie McCaskill. Be sure to follow us on YouTube, BitChute, and Rumble. And as always, thank you for listening.